How are you? I am excellent. Good, good. I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. Welcome, everyone. Oh, yeah, welcome. I don't think we have any business to take care of in the front of this episode. No, other than you did say you just wanted to yeah. give a warning. So before we jump into today, I want to give a bit of a warning. This does involve the graphic death of a child. I try and be really quick and I will tell you when I'm about to say it and then I will tell you to just skip ahead like 15 seconds so you can get past that, but it is quite upsetting. So, okay. You've been warned. Warning. Yeah. Heated. This will also be my last. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You did say you're on a roll. uh, Very similar. Like, I feel like all my cases have been really similar, but that's what I've been interested in. So, yeah, but they're going to take a little. I don't want to spoil it. But fair. My cases are going to be different from here on out because the last few have been like the same. So, well, not the same, but similar with certain aspects. Yeah. I tend to choose things with similar. That's what you like. I like controversy. Yeah. And mental health things because, Mm -hmm. hey, what you do. I don't know. I like children who kill their families. Um, especially well, in the name of love. <laughs> you don't necessarily you like, like those them, children, but I like the cases. But They're fascinating like the to me. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's because it I is. have such a close family and like we love each other very much. So I can't. Maybe that's why I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that could have been me. Oh, no. Well, I don't think even it's with a all good my- thing we're switching gears. Yeah. No, it's even with all my family issues, I never would have been like, yeah. oh, I'm in love with you. So, yeah, I'll kill my family. No. I have- Well, yeah. Um, so, well, that. this kind of spoils the first bit of my episode, <laughs> but I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> Today we're covering Jasmine Richardson and Jeremy Steinke. Steinke. Is it Steinke? Steinke. It's Steinke. Okay. But we're going to call him Steinke because <laughs> he deserves it. Cool. So, are you ready? I don't know. It's uh, oh, and this is also going to be a long episode too because it like could have been two parts, but I didn't want it to be two parts, so it might be. Buckle up, bring a snack. Buckle up, (laughs) yeah, bring a snack. Listen on twice speed if you're feeling spunky. Yeah, yeah, fair. All right, okay, let's get into it. On the morning of April twenty third, two thousand six, a six year old boy from down the road in Medicine Hat, Canada, started on his way to his friend's home. He was friends with an eight-year-old boy. His name was Jacob Richardson, and they were in the same neighborhood, and his mother had sent him over to play. When he got there, he leaned into the basement window, peering in and seeing the house that he was comfortable playing in completely different. It was covered in blood. He saw Deborah and Mark Richardson slaughtered in the home. He immediately knew that this wasn't right, even at six years old, and ran to his mother. He said, Mommy, Mommy, there are bodies. In Jacob's home, they have blood on them. Or at Jacob's house, they have blood on them. Oh, my. She went over, saw the scene, and called the police. And I hope she called the therapist for her child. Yeah. Police went upstairs. They went into the home, and they found a horrifying scene. One of these policemen was ex-Marine, and he said that this was the worst thing he'd ever seen. Ever. Wow. And then upstairs in his bedroom, they found the body of eight-year-old Jacob Richardson. Ugh. They started looking around the house, and they noticed a family picture. And inside the picture was a family of four, and there were only three people in the home. So instantly, 
they set out an Amber Alert for Jasmine Richardson. So we're going to okay. back up and we're going to talk about family. Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, what is the timeline? Like where, what year is it? Or? 2006. Okay. Did you say that? I yeah. missed it. It's okay. I, it was the apologies. first line. My apologies. Okay. 2006, April 23rd. Okay. So the Richardsons were, by all means, a pretty normal family. Like, they embodied the American dream family, you know? Mm-hmm. A boy and a girl, mom 2. and a dad. 2.3 kids. 2.3 kids. <laughs> um, but actually, both parents were recovering addicts, and they were both. Mm-hmm. They had been clean for a very long time. They had pulled themselves together, I think, when she got pregnant with Jasmine, but I'm not positive. Okay. Um, and they were both really successful, and they had a great family life like everything yeah. you could have ever asked for um and throughout this entire process you'll see they parent jasmine the best that they can yeah her mom was a very spiritual person and most of jasmine's life she had also been into the spirituality that her mother practiced growing up jasmine was a really normal girl she went to a christian school every day and up until around 2005 was pretty standard she did however around this point in her life develop early so yeah. I was listening to Teachers Talk Crime, which is an awesome podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's kind of like us there. They also use their profession in their yeah. um, cases. They are teachers. We are paralegals. Ha ha. But they talked about. <laughs> ha ha. Ha ha. They talked about how statistically girls who develop at a younger age are more at risk for depression and substance abuse, abuse issues, as well as early sexual behavior, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense to me. That's I'm not sure. Well, yeah, because you're not yet mentally prepared to look the way you do. Yeah, and all the hormones you've got running yeah. through your system are not ready. Um, so I'm not shocked by this stuff, but it was interesting. And she did not look her age, and she knew that. Yep. The major turning point, though, was when Jasmine started to get interested in the, in the goth scene, which I don't say to vilify it in any way. I just mean that this literally marked a turn in her life based off of who she was hanging out with and her behaviors. Yeah. Her teacher started to express concern. She was arguing with her parents more often and had started turning her fashion down a hard path to the dark side. In fact, she would normally get in trouble at school because remember, she went to a Christian school for violating dress code. She started hanging out on online forums such as vampirefreaks.com and some local Canadian like social networking sites um, where she went by the screen name Runaway Devil. And she posted about her love of all things goth and morbid. Vampirefreaks.com. Yes. Also, if you go to vampirefreaks.com right now, it's a shopping website. It's like a store. So, not the same. It's, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, is that all we were talking about? Cause that- no, no, no. Okay. Um. Yeah. All righty. Um, one of her bios on, she had a ton of social media, but one of them said that she, well, most of them all said that she was 15 or 16 years old. They all lied about her age. Because remember, at this point, she's 11. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's 11. And her bio started with the quote, welcome to my tragic end, end quote. This is all very, like, darkness is dark behavior. And, like, <laughs> dark. the darkness is and, like, dark. And, <laughs> like, cringy preteen behavior. There's just no arguing about, yes, like, the cringe nobody factor. Nobody understands me. Yeah. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Exactly. Exactly. So offline, she started hanging out with the mall goths. We all know the group of mall goths. <laughs> we really do. And going to punk <laughs> shows, she was going to punk shows on the weekends. 
And it was at one of these shows that she was introduced to 23-year-old Jeremy Steinke by her friend Casey. Uh, ugh. Now, she had actually been getting into trouble before she met Jeremy, and her parents had gotten on to her about hanging out with like grown adult men before. Prior to meeting, <laughs> prior to meeting Jeremy, she was hanging out with two guys who went by the name Raven and Trenchcoat. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's why I started laughing. <laughs> this is, it's moments like this that I do wish that we did a video podcast. Oh my gosh. Um, the uh the morbid episode, they <laughs> say uh they just start replacing trench coat with other objects. She says well, morbid and swiffer wet jet. <laughs> That's what Well, actually what came to mind was a conversation that I just had with one of my kids when we were talking about non-binary people because that is a big thing topic of discussion in my household and i i want to respect all how everyone feels but like that is one of the lines for me is naming that yourself after an object i yes is that <laughs> i i was telling them like oh hey i have this old friend whose whose daughter might be non-binary i'm not really sure but anyway they changed their name and so and so we were talking because that's been a big topic of like, how do you pick your, your name versus your given name if you're going to pick a new name? And do you let family in on that? Yada, yada. Anyway, big, serious conversation. But when I said like, it's just difficult because if you pick a name and, and like I, as your mom, it's just because I'm mom, like I picked your names and I'm not offended that like you don't feel hundred percent comfortable with that name and you like want it to be different but at the same time like I want you to pick a name that I like okay does that make sense yeah so we're having that discussion and the uh what do we call her the snarky one <laughs> the snarky one says well you know some non-binary people pick names after objects like bread <laughs> <laughs> I was like like bread. That is where I draw the line. I'm sorry. I I cannot understand because you're dehumanizing yourself. Then, yeah. like, I just please pick pick a real name. Pick a name, <laughs> an actual human name, please. So you're not okay with them uh, being bread <laughs> with or apple. Coat or... I, and there is somebody named Apple, and that like when uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, one of her kids is named Apple. Oh, you're kidding. I'm no. not surprised by Gwyneth. Yeah. So, anyway. Anyway. Uh, all trench coat. Yeah, I just I want to be as respectful as possible because I I do. I understand like that's but why do you want to dehumanize? Like I get the non-binary feeling of like I just want to be a person. I don't want yeah. to be identified like sexually or or as one gender or the other. Like that makes sense to me. Like I just want to be a human. Yeah. Not one or the other. But do you want to be <laughs> do you a wet be jet? A wet jet? <laughs> Or a trench coat or bread. <laughs> like Yeah, I mean I think that some object names are cute, depending on what they are. Like Anchor. Yeah. I've said somebody I know somebody named Anchor. Anchor. And I'm hmm. like, that's a name that you've chosen for yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway, trench coat. I, I don't get it. I don't I'm sorry to if anybody out there listening, I'm sorry. I don't want to offend anybody. I just like I said, it's the humanizing thing that I, I don't understand that part. And it's a li- and depending on the name, it's a little funny. Like, come yeah. on. Well, trench coat is funny. Trench coat. Trench coat. Do you go by trench for short? <laughs> Hi, Mr. Trench. Can I call you coat? 
Mr. Coat, can I call you Dredge? It reminds me of the Friends episode where Evie wants to change her name and then her husband's like, no, my name is Crapback. She says, Mr. Bag, he goes, no, my full name, the whole name is Crapback. It's just the one word. Okay. This is my husband. What's my name, baby? Crap. Crapback. She was hanging out with Crap Bag, and her parents were like, You can't hang out with Crap Bag. It's Crap Bag. It's a grown man. It sounds like uh, Jeremy Stanky is the Crap Bag. There was Trench Coat, and then came Crap Bag. came Crap Bag. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Reel it in. I can't. Reel it in. Okay. That reminds me, this is so like off topic. Not really, it's on topic, but later <laughs> in the episode I'll talk about it maybe. There's a court sketch of mm-hmm. Jeremy on the stand. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> He's just a bag. <laughs> no, it's just it looks like a caricature. Oh god. Like it's I'll I'll probably like I'll, so, I don't know if I'll post it cuz I don't want to Why are these guys never they're never attractive. No. They're well, never was, attractive. Yeah, I don't know. I probably won't, I won't post say it. never, but Ken and Barbie Killer, supposedly he was attractive. Uh, I personally don't see it, but. Not either. Um, I probably won't post the sketch because it's somebody's artwork and I don't yeah. have permission to do so, but I will show you so you okay. can see. Anyway, so when they found out about Jeremy after they've already told her you can't hang out with Raven and Trenchcoat or Crow <laughs> and Lunchbox, you gotta you gotta hang out with kids your own age. Uh, they were very upset and she was in a lot of trouble. Understandable. Yes. And this is kind of hard because it reminds me a lot of the Twilight Murders. If you haven't listened to our episode about the Twilight Murders and you like this episode, you should go check that one out. Yes. We'll plug. The parents didn't do anything wrong, but all they did was try and attempt to lead their child to safety and it yeah. didn't go so well. Yeah. They found out about Jeremy and it didn't go super well. They're like, listen, yeah. don't approve of crap bag. We don't like Lunchbox. Oh, no. Lunchbox was trench coat. <laughs> other name. Anyway. Anyway. Let's talk about Jeremy. Okay. Jeremy does not have the same home life as Jasmine. He came from a really horrible home. He dropped out of high school. He struggled to make money. He struggled with addiction and some serious mental health issues. His parents should not have been parents. They were super abusive. In fact, every man that his mother dated was horrible. One of his step... It's it's hard to keep track of which stepfather did what, so I'm just going to say one of... Jeez. I think there were three, maybe four. Okay. One of his stepfathers slammed his head into a deep freezer, which caused some major damage. Yeah. He also had a stepfather that would regularly beat him and his step-siblings and then would tie them to chairs to make them watch the other kids get beaten. Uh, horrible. Yeah. He did poorly in school because of the abuse, and along with that, he had some untreated ADHD. Because of all his struggles academically, he was also constantly being bullied, and so he dropped out in the 10th grade. Psychologists or psychiatrists um, believe that he could have had fetal alcohol syndrome due to some of his symptoms, such as poor lack of growth, a lack of maturity, and many, many, many more. Yes. Um, Due to his environment, this isn't at all surprising. Both of his parents had always had addiction issues, and his mom was an alcoholic. Okay. He had his own substance abuse issues, and at one point while he was in high school, he got so drunk that he blacked out outside and nearly died of hypothermia, because this is in Alberta, Canada. I mean, it's technically in Medicine Hat, which is part of the Alberta province. Anyway. Okay. I think Alberta's a province. I live in the United States. (laughs) I do not live in Canada. We'll just preface that. 
Or sorry. Well, we're stinky Americans. <laughs> now, Jeremy was known to self-harm, and some people swear that this getting hypothermia outside episode was a suicide attempt. But I'm thinking he just got, like, sloshed. Yeah. You know? And who knows? We're never really going to know. Yeah. Jeremy was always really easily swayed. He was not the strongest personality in which sometimes people struggle to believe, given what happens. It wasn't until he was 22 when he joined the goth community that he felt he had friendship or even any leadership skills. It was only within that small mall goth community around him that he was looked at as a leader, and that was because a majority of them were underage, especially underage girls. He also... holding. <laughs> Hold on. You're going to let it out in just a second. Okay. He also believed wholeheartedly that he was a 300-year-old werewolf. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Let's go let that sink in. <laughs> oh. He was also known to wear oh a vial gosh. of blood around his neck, and he gave a vial of, of his blood to Jasmine as a gift. So, Here's my thing. You are clearly mentally unstable. Yeah. Jasmine, you are clearly young and impressionable and you know whatever i i guess the difficult part for me is even when i was that age never mind i'm gonna take back like i, I forgive me i'm working at there's just too many thoughts there's too many yeah. thoughts going on and the thing is i was gonna say i don't understand but then again like that's just the thing when i hear these cases about kids doing something and there's a lot of like influence to cause them to do yeah. something like this. It's difficult for me because I am probably like I was a people pleaser because of trauma, but at the same time, because of my trauma early on in life, I was quick to like have my radar go off and be yeah. like, you're no good. Like, yeah. I'm going to walk away from this. If he had fetal alcohol syndrome, though, and he wasn't. No, I'm talking about her. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. Backing and if she up. had a relatively normal child, like, that's the part for me that, like, I would sound very, um, if I had expressed my initial, like, first reaction thought, would be like, oh, what the hell, man? I know you're 11, but come on. Like, dude thinks he's a 300-year-old yeah, yeah. werewolf. Like, But her fight or flight doesn't work like yours does. But yeah, she's not going to have yeah. the same because she grew up in a relatively loving home, like didn't probably have much trauma, it sounds like, no. anyway. And so kids, I mean, that's the good thing. I mean, don't go out there traumatizing your kids just so that they're like more street smart. But unfortunately, that happens. Like, yeah, they're more trusting and they don't think, you know, and gullible, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see what you think at the end. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's <laughs> we'll see. It's the it's the like you say. I feel bad for them as children. Yeah. But like once they and even though she technically, I'm assuming, was still a child at when this goes on, you're an older child, and like, come on. We'll see what you think. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so this is Jeremy. This is who we're working okay. with. This is who was introduced to Jasmine at that concert right. in 2005. She told him that she was 16. She was 11. And he sent her an email after they talked for a little bit and asked her to be his girlfriend. He thinks she's 16. And he's yes, 23. I, mm. He's 23. Dude, and she's you, 16. You, you had to have... I don't... Well, I don't even want to say that. Like, I get how physically... 
when girls develop early and they tell a guy, oh, no, I'm older than I am, you know, whatever. Okay, at first, maybe believable because she looks older. But always how check many, IDs. How many 11-year-olds? That's a big discrepancy. How many 11-year-olds talk like 16-year-olds? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, it's different. It's different. I mean, people tell me all the time that my daughter, who did develop fairly early mm-hmm. and does not look right, she looks older than she is. They say that all the time, but in part, they'll be like, no, but it's the way she talks, too. But to me, I'm like, yeah, but if you talk to her for longer, it's always people yeah. that have had, like, a a few-minute conversation with her. It's never, like, the people who really talk to her are like, oh, no, you're 15. Yeah. Because... She doesn't have the emotional maturity of an 18, 19, 20-year-old, even though she could easily pass for that age yeah. by physical appearance. So it kind of always makes me sick when I hear stories like that, whether it's true crime or not. Yeah. Oh, but she told me she was this age. Yeah. Did you talk to her for more than five minutes? Yeah. You you believe that because you wanted to believe it. Yep. I had a teacher who taught sex ed in high school, and she had lots of wisdom for us, and I truly love her. She said, check IDs mm-hmm. always. If they don't have an ID, too young. Yeah. And they're lying. Or yeah. uh, you just shouldn't do it because you don't know for sure. Nope. Keep a consent agreement in your pocket. Keep a condom <laughs> in your pocket. Wow. Always. 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 And you know what? Advice to live by. So. Especially these days. Yeah. yeah. These two really thought that the sun rose and set with them and they were constantly talking online. So we've said Jasmine has had a lot of problems at school, but her parents are doing their best. They were setting boundaries. They were trying to ground her when she did things wrong, but they let her have internet access so she wouldn't be totally out of touch with her friends. They were trying to give her leniency. And, you know, I think that this was incredibly fair. They thought it was like a weird face, not the goth thing specifically, because they they always encouraged her to express herself, however. Right. But the behavioral issues. She thought they thought that that was the phase. Which is actually very wise of them yeah to distinguish the difference because there's a lot of people a lot of parents would just look at that and, oh she's goth so so they yeah. would try to shut down all of that stuff thinking that it's one yeah. and the same and no there are kids that like are goth kids and they're good kids yeah. they just find that style or whatever mm-hmm. um appealing so. Well, and like even if she was dress coded at school for her clothing choices, as long as the outfit was age appropriate and school appropriate, right. they would stand up for her. Yeah. So it, it wasn't about that at all. It was the behavior issues. They assumed that her acting out was temporary and they were fair. Jasmine didn't see it as fair, though. Well, no. She went to her guidance counselors and asked to be put in foster care. Oh, my gosh. So. Uh, she's 11 and maybe she doesn't grasp how messed up that is but she was in a stable home and because her parents weren't letting her go to a concert or telling her she couldn't hang out with adult men (laughs) then that meant they were horrible enough to go into foster care yeah i guess protecting your kids is mean the counselor asked her if she was being hurt at home she says oh no i just hate them they're mean the counselor said like i kind of looked into it because obviously that's a bold statement saying i want to go into foster care but there were absolutely no signs of abuse. Yeah. Absolutely none. So she didn't investigate it any further. And it's not like the counselor just doesn't do her job. She does her job incredibly well in the end, you'll see. But yeah. Yeah. And they were trying with her. They every 
every resource was extended to Jasmine. It wasn't until one fateful incident, incident that Jasmine's parents truly cracked down. They asked her to watch her baby brother, Jacob, who was eight years old or maybe seven at this point, while they went out for a date night or to a friend's house or something. Yeah. Pretty normal thing. You know, both your kids are old enough yeah. to know, like, just as long as we're not going to be out late, don't cook, don't set anything on fire, survive. Absolutely. I was babysitting at 11. Yeah. I, I think I was, like, 13 or so before. I mean, yeah. Maybe 12. your generation, maybe 12. people kind of, it's bumped up quite a bit. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, well, she didn't want to babysit anymore, so her and her friend just went to a gas station. They just left. Nice. So Jacob panicked, and he called his parents, and that's when they got really harsh with her. She was completely grounded, and her computers were taken, and they were going to box them up. In that process, they started monitoring her online interactions. And this got sticky, because they were not happy when they found out that her their 12-year-old daughter was dating a 23-year-old man. Well, yeah. That they had told her not to talk to, so. Well, yeah. Yep. So they did. They boxed up her computer, and they forbade her to talk with him, and she was grounded, and she wasn't allowed to go to shows anymore, and Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. (laughs) Listen, this is the one thing I will say. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with listening to music like that or the style and whatever. I went through a punk phase and hung out with, like, some hardcore punk people and went to shows as like an older teenager like Mm -hmm. 17 18 19 20 years old um yeah this is where i will fault the parents you should never let never ever ever let 11 12 13 14 year old girls especially but kids in general go to punk rock shows or goth shows without parental supervision because ain't nothing good happening to young and like that young yeah i don't think it even matters what kind of show it is to be honest with you yeah i'm just saying i i was kind of in that scene yeah and that was like before now before like i mean i hate to say it but let's be real not to bring up a whole other topic and i i will do my best not to trail off but that was pre like porn being so extreme, yeah. porn being the norm, like all like the stuff that I'm hearing these days about just dating life in yeah, general. It's very different. Dating life in general, not just for young people, but like I have friends in their 40s and 50s that are like, what is happening? Like the what is going on? And I strongly, strongly believe that it's linked to that. Honestly, because that's the only difference. Like, that's well, the difference is the enough. technology and everything is so accessible. And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are into that. And s- so many people cannot keep it separate yeah. and understand that that is porn, that's fantasy, that's not real. And then they go and start behaving like this in real life. Yeah. Like, even grown ass men. Well, clearly. so it just is a dangerous situation for young teenagers to be in and as a parent like that was like what red flag red flag I just kind of forgot to say that because I was so shocked by all of it at the beginning when you said she's meeting these grown men at shows so there's my PSA for today yeah moving on (laughs) 
So she was determined to talk to Jeremy, and she went to the library to talk with him on the library computers. In the meantime, the family started going to family therapy, and over the next few weeks, they would actually see a really big change in Jasmine. Everything at home was going more smoothly, and she seemed to really be putting in the work. To reward that awesome progress, they said, okay, we'll let you go to this punk show this weekend, but we're going to come with you. Yeah. See? So they did. Jasmine, Deborah, and Mark rolled up to this concert, and halfway through, Jasmine sneaks off. They find her making out with Jeremy in an alley, and they take her home, obviously. And this is when Jasmine starts bringing it up. Using a library computer, Jasmine starts floating the idea of killing her parents to Jeremy, and then to her friends. Her friends didn't take the killing part that seriously, but they thought this entire situation with Jeremy was really weird, and they told her that. Yeah. Instead of listening to them, she went further, closer to Jeremy. But I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If your friends do not like your boyfriend, that is a red flag. <laughs> red flag. Listen to them. Your friends want you to be happy. They want the best for you. Yeah. Red flag. Yeah. These cases. Cases are so hard. We've had two kind it's, of hard cases. Yeah. It, it just, it's another thing. Like, I, I'm not trying to victim shame or blame, but like, as a parent, I'm thinking if I catch a 20, first of all, you'd be lucky that I don't beat you to death myself and that the true crime case is then me killing a 23 year old who had hands on my 12 year old but i'm a paralegal so rather likely i'm more likely to be like okay everybody stop i'm calling the police yeah i i agree and i'm pressing charges against you i had that same question and there and therefore um if he's in jail for having this relationship and you have the proof on the computer yeah like then she couldn't be plotting and prepping and planning and doing these things because he'd be in jail already. Yeah. That's really tough. Okay. Nobody really took her seriously. She was a 12-year-old girl who had been grounded and she claimed she wanted to kill her parents. Of course, they were all like, oh, she's just being like, ugh, I hate my parents. I want to kill them. But like, no, she wanted to kill her parents. And So this is how Jasmine presented the email from a library computer to Jeremy. She says, quote, I have a plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you, she wrote. His response was, well, I love your plan, but we need to get a little more creative with, like, the details and stuff. So then Jeremy's friends started noticing that he was acting a little funny. He asked one of his friends, quote, how far are you willing to go for love? His friend didn't really know how to answer. And when Jeremy explained more, he told him to, like, fuck off. And he moved on and tried to ignore it because he's like, that's really weird. No. Yeah. But then Jeremy told him something along the lines of, like, well, Jasmine may leave me if I don't do it soon. So then he started posting weird things online. Dude, she's 11. <laughs> like 12 at yeah, this she's point, 12. maybe. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And he started posting. He thinks he's a poet. Oh, God. So he started posting this um, as his status. Quote, Payment! My lover's rents are totally unfair. They say that they really care. They don't know what's going to... They don't know what's going on. Just assume. As their greed continues to consume, she's slowly going insane. She continues to think that I came into her life to help her out and to stop what they are trying to shout. It's all total bullshit. Their throats I want to slit. They will regret the shit they have done, especially when I see to it that they are gone. They shall pay for their insolence. 
Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment. Darkness wow. is dark. <laughs> I'm so moody. Oh, God. Ugh. Crap bag. Listen, crap, bag. crap bag. Listen. Ugh. It's just that. Yeah. This is a rough case. It really is. They continued planning and Jasmine continued pushing. His friends said that later and they said he didn't really want to do it, but Jasmine was begging him and he struggled. And he struggled caved. with a 12-year-old telling him what to do. Hey, man. I was going to say 12-year-olds are scary. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> then I started thinking about your 12-year-olds and I was like, no, there's no way they could tell me to kill somebody. No. <laughs> so, That's what. Oh, my God. That's crazy. That like, like your kids are like, the same age. Darkness is dark. Kill my parents. I'd be, I'd probably just laugh and be yeah. like, "Yeah, right. Get serious. Like, go to school. Yeah. Get your education." She's the same age then as talk your younger to me. children. I know. Right, they're twelve. Yeah, okay. they're twelve. <laughs> Not wrong. They're twelve and a half. Yep. And like that's insane. This your kids would never <sighs> kill you, so this is good. The day before the fatal attacks. Jasmine and her family had a barbecue. Jeremy was off getting absolutely wasted, like sloshed, tabled, fully decked. I mean, what's another word for wasted? Crap bag. Crap bag. <laughs> he finished off any beer that was in his mother's house, who was an alcoholic, so that was probably significant. Mm, yeah. And then he drank an entire bottle of vodka before he went to a dealer friend of his and ended up at his house. He does. How is he walking at this point? Oh, he was driving. Oh, my God. Driving. At this dealer friend's house, he ends up doing quite a bit of cocaine. Uh, the dealer oh, to says- to counterbalance the alcohol. Oh, yes. Yes. Cocaine and upper. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, an upper for a downer or a downer yeah. for an upper. The dealer says it was about eight grams of cocaine. So I did a little <laughs> bit of research. What? I did a little bit of research because I don't know that much about coke. Well, no, I've never, I, I'm proud to say I've never done drugs, but I, I have known people who have done cocaine. And so I know just enough about it to know that's, that's kind of a lot. Well, and here's what made it seem like a lot to me. I looked at how much a gram costs. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's a lot of drugs. Yeah. Um, And apparently it can be between like 60 to $150 a gram. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. So safe to say I couldn't afford that habit. No. That's why it's mostly a rich person habit. I mean, fair enough. He was very intoxicated. Well, to say the least. He then got to a friend's house somehow, and this friend had been avoiding him all day because he was like, he's been really weird lately. I don't really want to be around him. But fair. somehow he got there, and they ended up watching a movie called Natural Born Killers. Oh, no. <laughs> which is a movie about a couple who decides to kill the girl's family. Yes. When it gets to the part where they let the younger sibling go, Jeremy speaks up and he says, this is where our story is different. Jasmine is going to kill her brother. <laughs> they just assumed he was gonna, high. Like, we're going to get away with it. Them coppers aren't ever going to catch us. They like, never discuss an exit plan, these two. They just... <laughs> must not. No. They seem to think they're just going to ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. But they don't like, even do that. They don't even ride off. Yeah. <laughs> just wait. They're just so stupid because it's a 12-year-old and like you're not thinking. You're not. No. Clearly. He drives over to the Richardson house and the plan is underway. 
the plan that's not really a plan. Yeah. Yeah. He starts throwing pine cones at her window, real Romeo and Juliet style, to get her attention. She sneaks downstairs, opens up the basement window, and then rushes back upstairs. So he's by himself. Okay. Now, his entrance was not graceful. <laughs> I, have I can't to, imagine I have to make why. Jokes. I have to make jokes because this is really bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's really bad. I cried yeah. when I was reviewing my notes this morning. It's, it's yeah. rough. He was loud enough that Deborah came down the stairs and saw the horrifying sight in front of her. He wore a black nylon mask, fishnets, and a bandana and was holding a butcher knife. He started swinging and she started screaming. He fought back, but he ended up stabbing her 12 times. Now, fishnets. I think, like, on his arms. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know for yeah. sure. Because, like, instantly I thought of fishnets. Like, like he's wearing... He's pulling a Patrick Star. Hosiery? Like, no, I know. I think it was, like, to disguise then, his face and but arms. But then, yes. Like, but he's also, like, goth punk. And yeah, that they just wear was, those. Yeah, they just wear those. Which so. is fine, but, you know. Okay. Anyway. From the commotion, Mark came running downstairs. He grabbed a screwdriver on his way, and then he saw Jeremy, and they fought hard. Like, this was a, a long fight. Yeah. Um, he tried to stab him with the screwdriver, and Jeremy actually had some bruises. He said at one point that he tried to, like, that Mark tried to shove his fingers in his eyes, and yeah, he made it sound like he was being attacked. But, buddy, you were the one doing the attacking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you came into his house. Yeah. If I get attacked by a shark in the ocean, I'm in their house. Yeah. So. Exactly. But unfortunately, Jeremy also stabbed and killed Mark. I'm not sure how many times he stabbed him, but the medical examiner took over 45 minutes just describing his injuries on the stand. Oh, my gosh. Um, he also said that none of the wounds were fatal on their own for either parent, and they would have probably suffered when dying because it wasn't a specific oh. wound. When Mark asked Jeremy why he was doing this or why he did it, Jeremy said, because you treat your daughter like shit. This is what your daughter wanted. Okay. So I'm going to talk briefly about the death of Jacob, but if you don't want to hear about it, um, you can skip forward about 15, 20 seconds, if I had to guess. So I'm going to be quick. Yeah. Jeremy heads upstairs where Jasmine is. I'm not sure. They don't really talk about how it goes down, but she eventually climbs into her brother's bed and attempts to strangle him by putting her in like the crook of his arm. But that doesn't work, so she gets up, and her and Jeremy decide that he has to die because she doesn't think he would do well as an orphan. And so they eventually corner him and stab him in the chest before they slit his throat. Uh, I'm going to let our listeners catch up with us. Yeah. The ones who skipped. If you've skipped, you're in a safe place, and you can come back now. Yeah. And there's not... I don't have commentary on that. No, there's, no, there's just, nothing to say. There's... Ew. So now the deed is done... And Jeremy panics and abandons Jasmine at the home. He drives off because he's high and drunk and his adrenaline is going because he just killed people. Jasmine, cool as a cucumber, goes to an ATM, steals money from her mother's account, and then taxis to wherever Jeremy was. She's chilling. Which, let's face it, like she may have some undiagnosed mental health issues herself, but... Also, like, is it that or is it that she's 12 and she does not yet fully understand the repercussions? I have no idea. So then they go to a party 
Of course. The entire party, they apparently were all over each other and so, so happy. They told everybody that they had just killed her family. And one witness recounted Jeremy saying that the victims had been gutted like fish. The next day... And nobody bothered to, like, call police and say, hey. It'll make sense in a minute. Okay. The next day, the very next day, like, eventually, like, basically 10 hours later, because they left the party at, like, 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, the two were invited by Casey, the girl who introduced them, on a road trip. With nothing better to do, they agreed. So, back to the very beginning of the episode. Okay. The police search the home, and they find the photograph, and they now know that they're looking for Jasmine Richardson because she was not in the home. Right. They make the Amber Alert, and then they realize that there was blood on Jacob's light switch. That makes their stomach sink, because intruders don't turn on light switches. Yep. They don't know where they are. They don't waste their time. Yep. Much less leave evidence on a light switch. So. Correct. Um, They send out an Amber Alert and they take um, a visit to her school to speak with her guidance counselor. And her guidance counselor says that Jasmine was a troubled kid and they'd been struggling with her for a while and offers to go through her locker for them because cops can't just go through a kid's locker, but right. the guidance counselor the, the can. can. Yeah. So she says, I'll go through her locker. While in the locker, they find a comic strip that depicts Jasmine setting someone's home on fire, burning someone alive, and then running to a truck that's literally labeled Jeremy's truck. (laughs) So maybe that was one of their plans to set everything on fire. Yeah. It's a really disturbing comic, which is why I'm not talking about it too much. So It's too bad. I was going to make a joke about, you know, lighting a bag of crap on fire. Oh my god, what's that smell? It's literal. It's literally flaming shit. Oh my god, it's Jeremy's on fire. It's the old prank, you know, on people's yeah. doorstep, and then they go. Oh, you know, gross. Then they'd have Jeremy all over their shoes. <laughs> Between what the guidance counselor told him, the comic strip, and, you know, everything that they knew from before, the Amber Alerts quickly turned into wanted posters, and they started looking. I think also that they had gone through some of the computers in the home. I I read that in a couple places and I couldn't find much. But anyway, yeah, I think they all, ended up all doing these that. stories like, you know, they're doing more and finding more than what's actually like in yeah. reports and like that. Well, we, and somehow we they knew to look for Jeremy. To. Yeah. So somehow, some way they heard through the grapevine that the two were heading towards leaders, which is a town in Canada. This is probably because some people from the party did come forward and say, hey, FYI. And somebody said, I think they were going with Casey on a road trip to leaders. Gotcha. So every cop, everyone was looking on the lookout. Little Mounties. Mm-hmm. Little Mounties. They were looking yeah. for him. Now, there was a rookie cop who woke up in the middle of the night and realized, oh, my God, they're heading to leader. They're going to need gas. And on the way to leader is the largest gas station in the area. So he posted up. All right. And show enough, there they are. They pull in, and the police uncover them in the back of the truck, and they are arrested. The girls are put into one squad car and Jeremy into another. And the cops say that the girls were way more concerned about Jeremy getting a rape charge because Jasmine was found without her pants on in the back of the car than anything else. That's what they were concerned with. They just like you're 12 you don't have any concept no concept yeah. of what is what reality is 
Wow. Yeah. Instead, they were arrested for the deaths of the family, and Kay- uh, Casey was actually charged with accessory because, come to find out, she had known and she had, I believe, assisted in destruction of evidence, but I'm not sure because Jasmine yeah. was a minor. We'll talk about it a little bit. Wait, so how old is Casey? I think Casey was an adult, like but she was involved. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's even, that's just as bad. Like, why are you hanging out with a 12-year-old? I don't know. Good grief. So, because of their age, they were tried separately. So, we're going to talk about Jeremy, and then we're going to talk about Jasmine, because hers is more complicated. Right. Jeremy admitted <laughs> to the murder, admitted to the murder while in custody, because they, they put an undercover cop on a bus he was on, and then Jeremy brought up the crime and, like, admitted to it. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. Yeah. He no. was found. He was tried in November 2008 and fa- found guilty by a jury on three counts of first degree murder. Um, t- December 15th, Jeremy was sentenced to three life sentences, one for each first degree murder count. They were to be served concurrently and he will be eligible for parole after 25 years. That's it. Wow. A little legal lesson today. I know what you're thinking. Why didn't they charge him with any sort of statutory rape? They didn't because there's a couple of reasons prosecutors don't want to overcharge. Number yeah. one, number yeah. one, it can make it harder for a jury to process evidence. They're already dealing with a murder, and this case was pretty rough. Yeah. Pick your battles. You're going to go with the larger charge. Yeah. Or the more important. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this is Canada, so I'm going to read. This is from the American Bar Association. Well, it's not. I'm not reading it, but the American Bar Association tries to disapprove of overcharging because it can be used to coerce a guilty plea from the party. They were charging you with all this stuff, but if you only plead guilty to this, all of this goes away. Yeah. It can be intimidating for a defendant who may be innocent, um, but they could be intimidated into accepting a guilty plea. Yeah. So it's frowned upon to overcharge for that reason, as well as you want to keep your jury as comfortable as possible as they're going through things so that they can process and give justice securely. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's your little legal lesson from the American Bar Association. Because we're going to talk about Canadian law in a minute, so. Okay. That's your American lesson for today. (laughs) Because Jasmine was 12, um, things had to be done differently for her. Canada has a thing called the Youth Criminal Justice Act which directs how crimes are handled for minors. Part of this is that when they're questioned, and each time that they're questioned, they have to be read this really long document explaining their rights. Not just reading their rights to them, explaining it. Yeah. Because they're adults. They're not adults. Adults are read their rights once and expected to remember and understand them or ask questions if they don't. Yeah. Um, they don't expect that of a child. But luckily, her questioning went about as smoothly as it could have. they could have wanted. The cop who was in, like interrogating her decided he was going to try to play a cool cop, be her friend, be her buddy. Hey, you like adult males? <laughs> Not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> he decided he was going to play it cool, and he said, okay, I'll, I'll let you write notes to Jeremy if you want. I'll take it to him. So she did. And they actually did give it to Jeremy and he responded, but it was so stupid. I honestly did not want to give it the time of day, so I'm not putting, I'm not reading it because it yeah. pissed me off. Um, but then they said, well, why don't you write a note to your family? And so she did. In the note, she apologized and said that she always loved them. You have a weird way of showing it. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Um, she claimed in the note that her sarcasm should not have been taken seriously. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm not not commenting. Yeah, I oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Youth Criminal Justice Act meant that her name could not be used until she turned 18, so they referred to her as JR, uh-huh. and neither could her pictures. Under the same act, 12 is the youngest possible age in which a person can be charged with a crime. Convicts who are under 14 at the time that they committed the crime cannot be sentenced as adults, and they cannot be given more than a 10-year sentence. Okay. Okay. On July 9th, 2007... She turned 13 by this point. She was found guilty of three counts of first-degree murder. She is the youngest person to ever con- have, to ever be convicted of multiple murder in Canada. In November 8th, 2007, she was sentenced to the maximum allowed under the law, which was 10 years. Her sentence included credit for the 18 months that she had already spent in custody to be followed by four years in a psychiatric institution and four and a half years under conditional supervision in that community. Now, a lot of places that you'll read say that you can't find her diagnosis because she was a minor. Well, I found it. <laughs> because okay. she's not a minor anymore. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Um, and so some psychiatric assessments reveal that she was diagnosed with conduct disorder and oppositional defiant disorder. That ODD. Mm-hmm. I get you in trouble. Yep. Through prison, through prison, the two exchanged letters and got engaged via letter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. At no point did they ever express any guilt, just regret that they didn't make a run for it and that they got caught. Casey Lancaster, the accessory charge that was dropped because she entered a guilty plea as an to an obstruction charge. She just entered that in Medicine Hat Provincial Court rather than, like, the court that they tried the other two in. Yeah. And she just received one-year house arrest and was ordered to refrain from drugs and alcohol. Okay. Because she wasn't the one who killed people. She was just drunk or high and who knows. take it seriously. Exactly. In in September 2011, Richardson, which Jasmine, began attending classes at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta. During the final years of her sentence, she was released from a 10-year sentence at a psychiatric hospital in the fall of 2011. And in October 2012, it was reported that her rehabilitation was going well and she expressed remorse for her actions and experts considered it genuine. In May of 2016, her sentence was completed and she was freed from any court-ordered conditions, restrictions, or supervision until a final sentencing review on May 6, 2016 in which she was completely cleared from the justice system, her identity was changed, and she now walks as a free woman and could be anywhere. We have no idea who she is or what she looks like now. And could be married to Crapback. She could be married. Well, she's not married to Crapback because we would know that, but she um, could be working with children. She could be a mom. She could be married to somebody else. We have no idea. Oh, my gosh. That's kind of scary. Yep. So a couple sources I did want to highlight, I they'll all be listed, but some of the major ones are Teachers Talk Crime, Episode 8, um, the two morbid episodes that cover it. They have a little bit more detail in them. Yeah. And then the book Runaway Devil, How Forbidden Love Drove a 12-Year-Old to Murder Her Family by Robert Remington and Sherry Zikfusi. I will say that my account is by no means a full account. This was summary of this massive case. Yeah. And it was a it was a dark one. So 
Yeah, I'm not sure that I would want more detail on a case like this. Eh, it's, yeah, it was rougher than I thought it was going to be going in because you, you read rough. like 12-year-old girl and 300-year-old werewolf. Like you don't. Uh, yeah, but uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like I thought the werewolf thing would play more into the whole thing, but I think it just shows like his mindset. Yeah. Well, he was very immature. Well, and honestly, I used to be one of my many hats. I used to be a preschool teacher, mm-hmm. and I actually had a student that we were fairly. I don't like mom wouldn't be totally honest with us. But we're all fairly cer- certain that he had alcohol fetal syndrome. Yeah. And, of course, I don't know him now as, like, now he would be an older teenager. But at the time, yeah, their development, both yeah. emotionally and intellectually, is nowhere near where they should be. So I have to say, yes, you do feel... Like, if you're going to feel sympathy for either one of them, I actually, with the exception of the whole, like, you're 23, she's 11, 12, I don't know. But even that, again, he was probably extremely emotionally immature to where he had a hard time finding anybody that had any interest in him. And like you said, he never felt like a sense of leadership or power until he started hanging out with people younger yeah, and like they listen to him. Well, yeah, because they will for a yeah. while and until they reach the same age as you or like, reach that weird. age, and then they're going to be like, "You're a loser." This is not a case that I think you can assign blame to because of his clear mental health issues. Yeah, and he was constantly intoxicated, which is yeah. a choice that he made. But you know, she made choices too. She was just twelve. Um, and had no concept, clearly had no concept of and, what yeah. the consequences would yeah. be. Am I wrong, though, that ODD is something that kind of the oppositional defiance disorder, does that kind of, as they grow, change or, or move on from, or is that? It's tricky because I think some people think like, oh, it's just a behavioral issue. They just, they'll, you know, they'll grow it. To my understanding, it's kind of something that like borderline personality disorder Mm -hmm. or even being like ADHD or on the spectrum, it's not something that can necessarily, yes, ADHD can be medicated, but that doesn't fix everything. Yeah. Like you don't pop a pill and then suddenly I have no issues. No, it's very helpful, but people with ADHD, even medicated, still have to learn coping mechanisms. Yeah. And from what I recall, ODD is like something that you have to continually work on because while, yes, it eases with age because once you're an adult, you're kind of in charge, you make your own decisions, but you're still going to have that pushback against authority like quite often. And so you have, it's very important if they don't get that kind of assistance of like, this is an issue, like the way you're thinking like that. Like, girl, you are 12 and your parents are saying, your parents are not being unreasonable here. Yeah, exactly. At all. Not even a little bit. And you're saying you want to go into a foster system over it? Like, yeah, that's, no, she clearly had no concept of like what reality is. So, yeah, that's a tough case. 
It was. I honestly, I'm going to be so real. I was not prepared for the level of emotional distress that this case was. Yeah. Until I was too deep into it to change cases this week. <laughs> like, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, Been there. I understand. Yeah. So, I just I just hope that we did it justice for little Jacob and, and the family. Yeah. And it's a horrible case. And Yeah. So, yeah. Crap bag. Crap bag. <laughs> Gotta end Gotta end on some kind we of. We gotta end on a positive, not, not a positive, positive, but a, well, a laugh. Crap bag's still in jail. Crap bag is still in jail. Okay. Crap bag will never get out of jail. I mean, he's up for parole, but yeah, I don't think chances he'll. are he's probably had some trouble in jail yeah. as well. Probably not a model prisoner. I'm probably guessing. not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. well, righty. I hope Raven and Trenchcoat are doing okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I hope Trenchcoat found himself a nice little pair of combat boots. <laughs> you know, he and combat boots are doing really well these days. You know, they're expecting some socks, so that's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Maybe they'll have twins. Oh, a good matching set. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I dropped. I'm sorry. I dropped my phone. <laughs> well, it's been a day. It has. I hope that your day goes better than this. So, this is a rambly end. That's we okay. need, I need to go to sleep. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. If you made it this far, DM me and I'll send you a sticker yes. <laughs> or something that says you're a winner. Yeah. All right. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.